Welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers podcast. We come to you tonight from a, an emergency recording of the podcast, uh, given the events that have gone on and transpired over the past 48 hours at Chelsea Football Club. Um, it's been a tough time. It's been a tumultuous time. It's been an emotional time for many as Chelsea fans, and it's been this way for many of us leading up to this unfortunate event where Frank Lampard is now out of a job and is no longer the head of Chelsea Football Club. Um, some of the reports that have come out uh, have been contentious, to say the least. There's been a lot of revelations un- unveiled since uh, he has been gone, and these reports have now been run. Mainly the athletic report uh, was a very good detail of all the things that were seemingly not well behind the scenes. And um, for those that may have not had access to this, uh, a kind of a brief breakdown of the athletic article is it. It's uh, reported that Lampard's relationship with uh, Marina has deteriorated. And, you know, that's maybe some of the issues we've seen Um, that Rolf uh, Rangnick was offered the interim job, uh, but it was only for four months and he turned it down. Uh, Calls were then made um, in recent weeks to discuss with Julian Nagelsmann's uh, Nagelsmann's entourage about possibly working at Chelsea, um, but that was projected as it's a midseason move. Uh, and then after the Leicester game, it was the tipping point. Uh, and the, the next morning was spent by the board and the owner uh, working to finalize a successor. Uh, Lompard supposedly shook the players' hands and thanked every one of them for their efforts under him after the Leicester match. Petrcek was personally involved in talking to the new stars' agents as the form dipped. Some players complained about the lack of tactical instructions and say that they were not spoken to for months on end by Frank Lampard. Supposedly, the desire to re-sign Declan Rice annoyed the board because of a you know wanting to spend 80-some million dollars on a player who was a cast aside before they were a teenager. Um, and then it also is reported the dressing room felt the manager showed no empathy and were openly uh, hurt and you know uninspired by his public criticisms. And finally, they reported that Lampard would have walked out of the job at Chelsea had it been any other club that he was in charge of. So that's a lot to unpack. Uh, and there's a lot going on there. And it's it's been a tough time. And just personally for me, uh, I feel that it's been this is something I think I've been emotionally braced for for quite some time. Um, and I think when I started to see the uh, reports and I listened to the you know, you know, straight out of Cobham podcast after the city match when they reported it was a matter of of when not if frank lampard will be gone i've been pretty prepared for this moment others may not have been um as much but for me i think finally letting us move forward presents a little bit of closure for us all as a fan base whether we're still angry or not at least this lets us get past this will he or won't he survive the rest of the season as much as we all would have wanted to see lampard succeed and live out his contract in full vision and project that is unfortunately no longer the reality. So with that said, I want to quickly uh, move over to some of my other co-hosts tonight. We have Travis Tyler, RJ, and Ola again. And with a lot going on, I'm going to go ahead this time and I'll let uh, Travis start. You know, just kind of go ahead. You know, there's no real questions. Just 
go ahead and tell us what you think of this situation and how you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, there's a lot to it. There's a whole lot of angles to it, and we don't have a great amount of time to talk about every single angle. Um, just on the Lampard side of it, obviously the results on the field weren't good enough as of late. But, you know, if some of these reports about, you know, players going to the board behind his back, about players being upset with him, about favoritism and everything else, if that kind of stuff is happening, I don't really know what the board has learned the last few years of doing all this. Like, the whole one of the big reasons to get Antonio Conte in was to work out the last, parts of player power, parts of the old guard. And that was Andre Villas Boas's, you know, whole goal years before. And, you know, you can have player power when you have guys like Droba and Lampard and Petr Cech and they're the best players in the league or the world. But we don't have that right now. So, you know, and just just some of the reports that we've been seeing about different players and we don't know exactly who, and it's not really worth mentioning names without knowing who, but it, there is something to this. It, it, it doesn't bode well that they're able to go to the board and have this kind of sway. Now, th- that doesn't absolve Lampard of you know what we've seen on the field of the stuff of not talking to people, of any of that, but I don't know. It, it just feels like we're right back where we were, you know, after Jose's terrible season and Goose Hennett came in and saved us a little bit. And then Conte came in. That's where it feels like we are. And it really shouldn't be like that. And just moving quickly on to Thomas Tuchel, I've been critical of his appointment. I don't think it makes a great deal of sense, but I, I don't want to be overly negative about him. I, I think he can maybe get away from some of the drama he's had at PSG at Chelsea. As crazy as that sounds, I think he can get away from a little bit of it. And, you know, maybe he's grown from it. It was recent, but I think maybe he's gotten to a better place after PSG. I think he'll be very good for our young players. People, There's very odd people on Twitter that think Mason Mount's never going to play for us again. That's ridiculous. Thomas Tuchel is one of the greatest managers when it comes to using youth. So I don't think we need to worry on that side of things. I, but just to round this all off, I don't really expect a great deal from this season anymore because, I mean, there's 19 games left. We're not crazy far away from top four but if thomas is able to get it and it would imply that you know lampard could have easily have gotten it like it really doesn't take that much if you know nothing really changes i can't really blame thomas tuchel for that because there's no training time these players are exhausted as it is and they're mentally down right now so i can't really hold anything that happens these next six months for him or against him. He's got an 18 month deal. It that leaves a lot of wiggle room for next season if he does really well to continue. 
And it leaves a lot of wiggle room for Chelsea if it doesn't go well next season to do this whole thing again next year. So I wish him luck. We'll see how it goes. I think that's a good comment, though, there about the contract length and what that means potentially for the club. You know, I I imagine I'm with you. I imagine he's going to be given uh, no matter really what happens uh, throughout the rest of this season. I think he's still going to be given next season, given the circumstances. However, I still think the expectation is that he'll get top four. um, And, you know, I'm not sure if the board is going to pull the trigger finger fast enough. But it's like you said. We'll see. This is going to be quite an entertaining project, uh, or I don't even want to call it a project anymore. I'm not going to use that term anymore. It's going to be a quite entertaining ride. Let's just say that instead. And uh, without any further ado, I want to go ahead and get over to RJ. What were some of your um, initial reactions, thoughts of everything that's happened, gone on, read about, and heard? Yeah, as I've shared with people on Twitter and other socials and just friends and family in general, I took the news quite shockingly and it was, I was quite devastated and very open about that, not because I was delusional in the sense of it's a business at the end of the day and there are commercial realities involved and I understand all of that, but I think I was just very stunned by the timing of it all and then to read all of the information that followed in The Athletic and The Telegraph, etc., and all of the news quote unquote on Twitter, it started to create a feeling of the outcome was inevitable. However, as a devout Lampard supporter from his playing days through to his time as a manager, I just felt that I got caught up in a narrative of Lampard was coming in to help be part of forming a long-term project and building that sustainable success for the club. But as it transpired, that obviously hasn't happened now. But for all of the heartache and devastation behind Lampard's departure, I still stand by the notion that his time as our manager was a success. And it was a success from my standpoint, from the perspective of the achievement of not just reaching top four and and guaranteeing Champions League for this season, of which we qualify top of the group and are still in the FA Cup. But the players or the long-term future Blues, he was able to help bring in as a result of that achievement. Because in other words, had we not achieved top four and didn't make Champions League, the proposal to bring in the Verners, the Havertzers, the Zhs of the world would have been that much more difficult without Champions League football. And also... and probably the most important legacy, I believe, Lampard's tenure as a manager for me is he has been able to genuinely create a pathway for our youth players to break into the first team. And I think that shouldn't be understated because obviously we've seen in previous seasons that Chelsea have had a very gifted and talented academy who have won various trophies at all of the youth levels However, we've struggled to integrate them into the first team with other very more decorated and experienced managers. So for Lampard to be able to come in, achieve top four in a transition season, mixed in with COVID, loss of your best player, as well as create that pathway, which some might counter that well if that was created by circumstances. But regardless, he didn't just default and trust 
more senior people, but did put his trust in those youngsters. And now we are known as a club now that have that great quality talent at the youth level and give opportunities to other youngsters that we're not just the breeding ground to be sold for a profit in the long run. So I think when people do look back at Lampard's legacy as a manager, not to look at it as that the man that failed as a manager but was a great player, but was a fantastic player who was brought in with little experience but had the courage to take on arguably the most difficult job in professional football given the environment which he all too well is familiar with and still took that on and achieved success in my eyes. So I think trying to put a positive spin on it, but overall very shocked and stunned by it, guys. And just before I pass it on, from a Tuchel point of view, I've said it before, he wasn't my first choice because I didn't want to contemplate any choices because I was a bit delusional, but even still thinking about other managers, I didn't want him to be the number one choice just given of all the noise that was surrounding him and I thought he would be mixed in with a a bad recipe for disaster knowing the instability and volatility of our board. But the board have made their decision now. He is a technically strong manager and as such, and given that I'm a Chelsea first supporter, I have no choice and feel compelled to 100% throw my support behind him and I encourage all fans to do so. RJ, that was very well said, and I think that, you know, although Lampard ultimately it just didn't work out with us, I think that your comments about what he did for us to have a path that's opening to youth cannot be really overstated enough. Um, I, I don't think it's it, it's such a critical thing for us. And, you know, if you look at the and you, you know, you mentioned there's some concerns with Thomas Tuchel coming to the club. Uh, but however, the board made that decision. But I, I did see that um, I, I, I can't remember the source, but I did see that, uh, you know, like part of the vision or goal with Thomas Tuchel is to continue that, you know, youth or academy pathway and chances in the first team. So that that does give a little bit of, uh, you know, hope and, you know, reason to believe that this isn't the end of the uh, the youth wave that kind of that Lombard started. And regardless of whether it was started by circumstances or not. I think that's really important, and, and I just want to thank Frank Lampard and you know, also thank you, RJ, for pointing that out because it was a huge thing that he did and accomplished. And Because I, I, as long as I've been a fan, and probably this is true for all three of you as well, you know, there's been promising youngster, promising talent, promising prodigy, one after another through the academy, and like none of them ever worked out. So to see this now, I mean, just to throw some old names out, like Gal Calcutta, you had like Josh McCachron, um, you know, or Charlie Musanda, like all these players that we heard about that were going to be the next best thing. And just, we haven't seen it. So I think it's great that Lampard did that. And finally, Ola, I want to let you get some of your thoughts in. There's been a lot of great, uh, you know, brought up so far. Um, and last but not least, let's let you get uh, weigh in on this matter. Okay, and um, I like like Travis said, I I was mentally prepared for for this, not particularly because I expected it, but because I could and I could see what the board would have seen that would have pushed them to that decision. I understand fans; many fans would feel 
they they should um, Roman should have should have had patience and should have trusted Lampard. But at the end of the day, Roman has to make decisions, business decisions, and trust and belief and and all this faith. All those things are they are nice for fans, but business decisions are not made based on faith. And if you ask many Chelsea fans who believed Lampard could get us out of this rut when we're in the rut, well, we're still in the rut. If you ask many of them, what they'll tell you is they believe, they believe Frank Lampard can do it. But let's not forget that even when we went on a 17-game unbeaten run, all, everybody we beat or everybody that, but yes, every, every game we won, none of them was against top four rivals. We played about five of them, if I'm not mistaken. And none of them were, were against top four rivals. And we didn't win against Spurs. We didn't win against Manu. To be fair, we didn't lose those games. But we lost against Leicester. We lost against Everton. We lost against Liverpool. And we lost against Manchester City. And the position Chelsea is in now, we're in 10th place currently. And for us to move back into, let's not say it is top four, we have to beat the people above us. We have to beat the teams above us when we play them again. And we we were not beating them before. So that's part of what influenced the decision. Again, I, I tweeted something that I, I understood the position the board were in. They were not in a they were not in a, a, a simple position. They were in a very difficult position and any decision they made was going to have one effect or another. So yes, fans are raging and many fans are not handling it well and they are looking forward to take their anger out on. But I think it's 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 healthy to acknowledge that the board were were in quite a, a tight spot. We're tent and uh, part of the athletic article I read said the board did not see a path to sustained improvement. It's it looks to me like the board were looking for reasons to to keep Lampard in there. Of course, some could also say they were looking for reasons to get him out. But it, it looks to me that they wanted something to show them that they were not just putting blind faith. And yes, Chelsea fans would, would like Roman to show blind faith, but uh, I'm sure he didn't make all that money based on on on, on putting blind faith in in investments. So it's fair, it's fair that he he was forced into a decision. As for the as for the player unrest, it doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me because when when you go into a new team and you decide to stick with certain players for whatever reason, either because they are performing or because they are giving you what you need. If you decide to stick with certain players, those who are left out are going to feel left out, and they take that out in 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 different ways. They act that out in different ways. So, I I, I wouldn't be surprised that Rudiger was. Damn, I'm seeing reports now that Rudiger didn't go to the board, or there's no there's no proof that Rudiger went directly to the board, but. If Rudiger was unhappy, he had reasons to be unhappy. We can say he is he, 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 he's, he's not one of our best defenders and 
He he's made mistakes when he's played. But at the end of the day, he's a senior player and that status in the squad holds some some weight. So if you're going to sideline a senior player, there are there are there, there's going to be effects. And I'm not I'm not saying when senior play when senior players are sidelined, they should go to the board and act it out. But I'm just saying that these things happen. It's not I'm not I'm not putting Rudiger in a special folder because he was unhappy. Especially when results are not going well. All these things pile on top of each other. When the results are good, even those who are not starting are not so hung up on it. When results turn and we're no longer getting the results we want on the pitch, other other issues join. When they start winning again, all those things sort themselves out. So that's not surprising. When senior players are, are sidelined, they... They act out. Lampard did his best for Chelsea. He deserves full credit for what he achieved last season. And at the end of the day, what was happening this season was something that it wasn't good. There's no way you look at it that it's good. Yes, he he, he didn't have a preseason and the season is crazy and there's no time for, for many teams to train. All that is true. Well, at the end of the day, we are tenth. And if Chelsea is underperforming and Aston Villa is is performing better than us and Everton is performing better than us, points than us with two games in hand. Aston Villa has more points than us with two games in hand. Many fans say they, they, they had given up on top four. That shows you that Chelsea were in a really, really bad place. Really bad place because... Many many teams in the top eight have not given up on top four because of how the season is. For Chelsea fans to have given up on top four, it means that they really saw Chelsea in quite a deep, quite a deep spot. And if they acknowledge that, then they can't be so surprised that Abramovich pulled the plug. They can't they can't be that surprised. So you know, I was I was looking through Chelsea's recent results. I looked at the league table, and I realized that things are. Things are worse than I thought. It's today I realized that if Southampton got any point from their game today, they would climb above Chelsea. And then I later realized that if Arsenal got won that game too, they would climb above Chelsea. So whatever result happened in that game was, was likely to negatively affect Chelsea. Yes, we play our game tomorrow, but you know, Chelsea was in a, in a difficult place. The thing about tactical instructions for me, I felt that would have gone a long way in influencing the decision too, because it reminds me of something Lampard said about it's not it's not tactics that win that win games. He said something about it's not four four three or four four two three one that will win games, it's passion and desire. And there there are also reports that he told players to express themselves as a as a pre-match briefing. So I get why I get why players would be would be confused by that because there are certain games that are are, are tactic heavy. When you play against well structured teams, going out there and expressing yourself is not going to cut it. You're going to need some sort of plan. You're going to need some instructions on what to do in certain situations. Or at least a range of, of things to do in certain situations. Yes, it's true that he was trying to create an influence, a, a decision-based 
footballing star for the players. But you know, it's it was it was a, it was a mixture of things that piled up really. I don't think Rudiger's Rudiger's tantrums, if there were tantrums, I don't think that would have had as much weight if Chelsea itself wasn't in a bad place performance-wise. And when they said the Leicester game was a tipping point, I understand that. I mean, we 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 got run over by a Manchester City team that had six players out. They had about four or so key key players out. So that was that was also a match that showed me there was there, there were problems. I also see the, the reports about the Declan Rice situation and how Lampard insisted on on getting Declan Rice and they didn't sit well with the board because they had released him on a free transfer. That makes sense to me too, because a player that you have let go for free when he was eight years old, to now turn around some years down the line and have to buy him back for, for you know, 60 to 70, 80 million. It's, it's just, it's not good for business. It's not good for business. And these are business people making these decisions. So it can't be that surprising that they were against it. And I feel that if they were against it and Lampard knew they didn't want Rice, he should have found another DM. Declan Rice is not the only, it's not the only good DM. It's not the only exceptional DM. There are, there are DMs out there and for him to be fixated on Rice, just, you know, it wasn't, I, I don't I don't think the 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 hate the guy is getting for me is is misplaced because it m- many people are behaving as if Lampard was doing an impeccable job and Rudiger messed it all up by going to the board because he wasn't playing. It the the results were bad and Rudiger has started three out of nineteen games this season. So Rudiger is not the reason Chelsea is in this is in this situation. So really it's 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 it was a mixture of things and Fans should just put themselves in Abramovich's shoes and and at least just acknowledge that he he was in a difficult situation and he had a tough decision to make. That's my take on the on the Lampard situation. That was uh, very well said as well. A lot and a lot to go with there. Um, you know, you you kind of thoroughly covered that from from all angles, and it, it is a you know, I guess. To kind of summarize some of what I'm thinking about it is, you know, it's, um, man, it's just been a tough spot. Uh, my mood's been real sour over the last month or so um, regarding everything in Chelsea. And it's mostly been because I've just been fearing that he's going to get fired. He's going to get fired. He's going to get fired. And, and the reason why I think this was so tough is because um, it's like what, uh, what, what RJ was mentioning and we've talked about on this podcast in previous episodes as well is about the whole project that I thought we were undergoing and I thought that we were giving him time. And I thought after he served, I thought during the Leicester match, I thought to myself, there's no way he survives this. Okay. Then he takes the, you know, manages Luton match um, on Sunday. And I thought, well, maybe we've actually turned a corner here as a club. Maybe we're going to start giving people some time, to turn things around. Um, and then, you know, sure enough, I wake up the next morning and he's gone. And, and it makes a lot more sense why Mason Mount was captain now and 
What it does is it shows me that uh, these long-term projects and visions are so coveted by the club so often because you look at how we've appointed the last three managers, and it seems to be much more of an idyllic or long-term view, where we went ahead and we appointed Maurizio Sarri, um, and that was supposedly a project hire, as it was going to take a lot of time to have a squad playing from you know Conte's way to Sarri's way, and I it would awkward in many ways and growing pains uh, through the middle of the season and so on and so forth. And we all, all, all know how that story played out. Sorry, he got a better job offer to go to Uventus at the time and go back to his home country where his uh, his parents were getting older and um, probably needed him around a little more often. So it probably mutually uh, appeased him the most. And the club also, with the transfer ban, knew it was going to be very unlikely that any top or you know highly proven quality managers are going to come in and take the job given the challenge there was. So up steps Frank Lampard, and I think we all thought this was going to be such a great, glorious project. And I really thought that was going to happen. Um, but as RJ said, I want to, sorry, I want to, yeah, about the project thing, I I understand that yes, the board may have wanted. Well, there is the reports coming out after the sack indicates that maybe there was not really a project in mind because we are seeing reports that it was actually a two-year contract with a one-year option, which I'm guessing the option was more for the club than you know for for Lampard to activate. So it was it was more or less a two-year thing, and then the third year would be discussed, and. Yes. The when when Chelsea was, you know, we we all watched we all watched the games, and we didn't see improvement. We saw performances that were worse than the results, and I understand playing better than your result. I understand playing well and losing, but we're not playing well and losing. We're playing bad, and our and and the results were not reflecting how bad we played. For Manchester City game doesn't really reflect how bad we were. It it ended 3-1 and it seemed like, you know, a 3-1, when you see a 3-1 score and you think, oh, the game was, you know, hanging in the balance, it tipped one way and then it unraveled from there. But they controlled, they controlled both halves. The second half, they came and just, you know, relaxed and didn't even bother to go for goals again. The Arsenal game too was one that did not really reflect how bad we played. Mendy made four four saves that I saw that, you know, were big saves to me. And we still we still considered three goals. So imagine if you didn't make four saves, that could have potentially been five, six. So so yeah, we were but, yeah, but that's that's interesting, Ola, that you make those points because then the flip side of the coin is there are games when we had a good run of form where we missed a stack of chances and could have equally won by a lot bigger margins and made us look better yeah. than what we were. So there is flip side of the coin and listening yeah. to this conversation very closely and also listening to another pod, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, with that Chelsea pod, and there was a special guest with Daniel Childs and he brought up a good point around is it more of a coaching problem or more of a culture problem because we often see similar patterns emerging with managers that are both either experienced or have great ideals and visions, yet regardless of the playing crop they're given, they both 
they all seem to have some good periods, struggle. There is some player unrest, and that eventually leads to a dismissal of the manager at the end of the day. We've had 14 managers since Abramovich has taken over, which is vastly more than any other club. So where I'm going with this is, yes, we're in the business of winning because it is a results-driven business, but how much of this, including the recent results, I'm not seeing getting much of a sense of the board taking accountability, but rather just making decisions to try to cover up some of their deficiencies. We knew when we took on Lampard, he had one year of experience. We knew that we were going to have difficult periods despite investing big money, of which we had half the team to integrate in the COVID season. And while we did see some good football, during that 17-match unbeaten streak against weaker teams, I'll add in there. But the first signs of rocky waves, it was all out, see you later, because we can't see a path to sustained improvement. So I just think, yes, I can understand Roman's perspective and the board wanting to salvage the season, but I just question the motive and competency of the board here because I don't think it's just all a Lampard. I think it's just a cheaper financial alternative to try to fix a problem that they were partially contributing to in the first place. So I just thought that was important to acknowledge. Yeah, that's fair. I understand. I understand that. That that is true. The board can't can't be the board can't be innocent in all of this. But what I also sees the the point you made about us have us play matches where we deserved more than the result suggested is also a very good point but a 10 game for me a 10 game stretch is more is not is not really at the first sign of trouble because let's not forget that we didn't really start the season well well we kind of did because of that game week 11 we we're topping the table but there was that point where we drew West Brom, then we drew Southampton, and then you yeah, know, there was. Yeah. So, so we didn't really. It's not. This is not the first rough patch that we've we've been this season. And for me, the first rough patch was the Everton towards Aston Villa. From the Everton to the Aston Villa game, that was the first part of the of the thing. And then we won against um, West West Ham in between that. And then, you know, the thing continued. But what I was I was trying to point out was the performances. There were, the performances were worrying. And if I didn't see improvements and I didn't see things getting better anytime soon, if someone would have asked me, I'd have said, keep Lampard there, I believe you can turn it around. But if you had asked me, why do I believe that? I would, I would, I would run out of what to say. So... We we can't maybe 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 some people saw maybe some people saw signs of improvement, but I didn't. And I remember in the Matlow article I read, it stated there that the board didn't see signs of improvement and they didn't see how we could turn this around and you know stay on course. Because we're already tent. Imagine if we have something half of this type of 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 rot later in the season. From now on that we are tense. Imagine if this happens again. It means we could go further down or, or just stay where we are. So I I understand I understand that, you know. And and the the the, the culture thing, for me, the culture thing is two things can be true at once. And 
while it is true that Chelsea has a culture of letting players, letting player power exist, because it, you can only let player power exist when you succumb to to their to their whims. But I I think it's also possible that in this particular situation, Lampard had as much responsibility in this situation as the players. Because, yes, we've had different sets of players out, different managers. Mourinho had players down tools on him, he got sacked. Antonio Conte had players down tools on him, he got sacked. It's not surprising that it's still happening. But when, when we talk about culture, I think I always thought Chelsea was a team that had I'm just going to say it. The captain hierarchy thing. I always thought Chelsea was a team that respected that kind of, that order, where players who are more experienced and have bigger, you know, are more experienced in the locker room, get the armband and the hierarchy is that way. I would, I would it would be dishonest of me to say Zuma should have held the armband over Thiago Silva when you know they both started majority of the games because we all know Thiago Silva captained PSG for over a decade. He captained AC Milan. He captained Brazil. So that is fair. But I expect that after Thiago Silva, Zuma should be the next in line. So I was surprised to see Messi Mount wear the armband against Luton Town, and I would admit that. In in the absence of the captain and the vice captain, it's solely the manager's decision to captain who, who he likes. It's, it's his decision to hand the armband over to who he wants. But I was even more surprised when Mount was subbed off and he gave the armband to Kovacic. Then again, Mount probably didn't know who to hand it to, which is fair because he probably didn't know the hierarchy structure. I mean, we don't know the hierarchy structure. Sometimes you see uh, Kante wear it. Sometimes you see it on Thiago Silva. Sometimes you see it on Kovacic. So, you know, we we also didn't know the, the hierarchy. But I suspect, I think that, that is also... a Club culture also goes to the manager following the club culture. And it is true, though, that players revolting against managers is, is commonplace at Chelsea and... At the end of the day, it's, it's still easier to replace the manager than to replace players. The, the problem is, the problem is when players, sorry, when players keep, for instance, if a player was behind a certain manager getting sacked, and then he's still in the dressing room when the next manager comes in, are we just going to assume that he's not going to make trouble again? Because does a leopard change his spots, really? So it's 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 a problem at Chelsea definitely, and it has to be fixed. How to fix it, though, I, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't really have much of an idea of how you fix it. It's a cultural issue, it seems, and it seems that the culture stems from um, really kind of how the board look at everything, possibly. And I don't want to blame the board because there are competing interests here as fans and as you know, board members of a potentially billion dollar company that you own right so that there's a big difference here and i think that's maybe a lot of where this you know divisiveness and sort of you know you've probably have seen within the fan base on social media and things like that 
there's been a lot of disagreement about what's gone on and what's transpired. And I think a lot of that stems from the fact that you're either looking at it completely as a fan and that's fine, right? We all are fans, but I think that if it, it helps you have closure and contextualize everything, if you try to look at it, not from the perspective of a fan, but instead from the perspective of the board with a massive, massive financial institution to oversee. Exactly. Exactly. And, so, so I can see there's competing interests here, and I think that's the the the, the end of it. That's why we've seen so much disagreement, um, and why the fact that it's Lombard only makes it to the upteenth degree. Mm. And I think that the way the reason why we see this is because the board views uh, the manager is this very cheap replaceable part. And you might have seen, I think you guys might have seen this on Twitter. I don't know, but I kind of use this analogy, analogy or reasoning by analogy today to kind of discuss the situation at Chelsea. And what I discussed is that it seems like, okay, so if you have a, you have a car engine, right, it's supposed to drive you in some direction. You get in and you, you know, you go to point A to point B. Um, and for me, when you look at it like at all through like an analogous or metaphorical term, to me, it seems like the players at Chelsea Football Club, and this is all through the eyes of the board, what I'm about to say, not as my own personal fan perspective uh, about what I think or what I want. But I think this is the uh, the reality, and it's best explained through this analogy. And I think that what it is is that the players are all the, the actual categorical components of the engine, whether that's the transmission, the alternator, the starter, the spark plug, whatever it may be, that's what the players represent within the metaphorical car of Chelsea Football Club. And I think that what the manager represents is essentially just your S-belt or your drive belt, right? Just simply the belt that makes the engine turn. Without the belt, the engine doesn't turn, we don't move, okay? So the manager, and and in the S-belt is one of the most, is an incredibly cheap, replaceable, easy fix part if it breaks. And I think that what happens is we see that this, you know, there's always this period of getting rid of a manager or replacing the drive belt. And all of a sudden we see that all of the uh, the parts start clicking again and we start getting the, the car back in the right direction at the right speed. Um, and then what happens is inevitably that that belt wears down, that manager wears down time and time again. And what happens is when that belt starts to wear down and break or crack, it's either not moving in the, it's not moving at all. The metaphorical car of Chelsea football club, when the results are bad or a month or two of, you know, no wins or hardly any wins, or that it just slowly wears itself down over time. And you kind of saw that more with Antonio Conte success. Wasn't the issue. It was actually how he managed the players and how they just grew tired of his intense repetitive training routines and a lot of shadow games that he used to do. So that that belt, that manager wore down and we replaced it. And I think that what happens is whether the manager, the drive belt wears down or it just simply flat out breaks and busts. What happens ultimately every time is when the results sputter and the metaphorical car slows down, the operators of this vehicle at Chelsea Football Club, which are the board and Roman himself, get out to look underneath the hood of what is going on here. And when they see that, okay, the parts are still suitable to get us from point A to point B. We don't know if it's suitable to get from A to B to C to D, but we can get to point A to point B with the parts in this engine. But we just need to replace a very cheap replaceable part compared to the entire engine. And that's the drive belt and the manager. So that's my analogy for Chelsea Football Club. 
Um, I wanted you guys to, you know, that's that's where I'm going to leave the end of my comments and I'll let everybody else get some comments and even if a response, if you have that um, and feel free to chime in. Well, I don't know anything about cars, but, you know, maybe if the belt is what keeps breaking, maybe the issue is not the belt. I mean, we've seen this same song and dance with Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte, and we have rumors of it with Maurizio Sarri. It's just, at some point, we're going to need to stick with somebody. And yeah, managers are cheaper to replace than an entire team, but every time we get a new manager, we get a whole bunch of new players. So I, I don't really know the answer to it. It just seems like we just continuously make the same bad decisions, and we tell ourselves it's okay, but then we end up with this Frankenstein squad where yeah. half of our midfield came under Conte, or half the defense came under Conte, half the midfield came under Sorry. Lampard brought in these youth, and then he got all these signings, which allegedly only one of them was really one he wanted, or two of them, rather. Yeah, so Chihuahua we're just a mish- Yeah, so we're just this big mishmash of everything. And at some point you need to look at why we're that way. And, you know, maybe in a way it's good that Tuchel's not super different than Lampard tactically. Like it, it, it's a lot of the same ideas, the same structure. So it's just the way, it's just the way he uses the ball in space uh, is is drastically different than Lampard. Well, um, a little bit, yeah, but I mean, it's or it's I, mostly. I, I would say that yeah, it's different ahead. than Lampard the last fifty days of his management. Let, let me rephrase. Oh, yeah, that. yeah, there there will be much less crossing, but overall, yes. I would say their ideas are very are more identical than not. So, Especially because Lampard played a four two 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 several times this season, which is Tuchel's yeah. preferred formation. So yeah, what, maybe what? we've realized that. Maybe we've realized that even if we can't just stick with a manager, if we just stick with the same kind of manager, it'll work. But we need to do something other than what we've been doing. I don't know. I I, I was the one I, I was, I was just trying to say, but would, would them to tell this players to just go out and express themselves though, without tactical instructions. But anyway, that one was a tongue in cheek comment. I'm, I, if we had a player like Mbappe or Neymar, he would. But 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 we don't do. So we don't. So that. he would be a little a little but more and, orderly. Truth, truth is, if you look at what what Liverpool did with Klopp, not I'm not comparing them. I'm I'm just I'm trying to talk about Liverpool now. If you look at what Liverpool did with Klopp, it was definitely not that that Chelsea was trying to do. From what we've seen, that's definitely not because. We've seen, I, I don't know if anyone else has seen the reports that um, Abramovich told Lampard that top four wouldn't be sufficient this season. So it was clear that the spending that happened during the summer was geared towards a league title or a league challenge, a title challenge. So if that's definitely not what, what um, we're definitely not trying to copy. Liverpool. Maybe we're trying to copy City because City spent this exorbitant 
amount of money in their second season and delivered 100 points. So that one, was, maybe that's what, that's what Abramovich had in mind. But I agree with Travis that at some point we have to, we have to give a manager at least a five-year period. At least a five-year period. And what it means is that in that five-year period, it can be as bad as the first trophy coming in the fifth year. But the other thing is, if we are giving someone a five-year period, we shouldn't just select anyone and give the person a five-year period. We have to be careful of who we are giving that. And whether Lampard was the best person to do a, a project with, yes, youth and, and he did he did a magnificent job bringing through youth. I mean, he brought through three youth players. That's impressive for integrating youth into the first team. In that regard, Lampard would have been perfect. But we we haven't seen Lampard with top talent and how he manages big players. And the only way to find out is letting him manage big players. But I think when we eventually decide to settle, it is just as important the person we decide to settle with as the decision to settle. They are equally important because Liverpool could settle with club because they've seen club build teams before. They had seen club build teams before, not just win titles. It's not. It wasn't just, you know, like Sarri going to Juventus and winning the Scudetto. They saw club build a team and win titles with it. So they knew that we've seen this happen before. We know what we can expect. We know he can do it. Give him time. Uh, we've not seen Lampard build a team. And I'm not saying Lampard was not the best person for it, but maybe he wasn't. Maybe, maybe, maybe the, there's space for acceptance that just maybe he wasn't the person to do the long-term project with. He might be, but, you know. I, I don't know if the board ever really had faith in that whole three-year project because of what we'd already mentioned with, you know, the fact that he had the two-year deal with the club option for the third and the fact there had not been any progressive contract talks or suggestions that he was going to have that option picked up for a third year. And it seems the unrest started actually before this season even kicked off. Um, And, you know, before we wrap up here, I want to go ahead to you, RJ. Um, I don't know if you have any final comments or anything to say in response uh, from everything else that's been said so far. Yeah, I suppose one thing that I've been thinking about before the sacking was when we did have our up and down form. So we started off not so great, had the good run and have gone terribly since. But one thing I was thinking about when we did bring Lampard in and then when we reinvested in some of those big name players during the start of the season, one thing got me thinking was would I, as a fan, be willing to accept a subpar season for a longer-term gain? Or in other words, if we miss top four this season, but we were able to offload some of the excess, which I believe has contributed to part of this culture issue in my, my respect, but next season we were able to start really genuinely challenging and building something, would I accept that? Personally, I would, given I've been able to see the best and worst of Chelsea, but quite clearly that's not something that a portion of the fan base is willing to accept. 
and that's not right or wrong. That's everyone's personal preference. So I'm just thinking the whole notion now of long-term projects and giving managers time, I'm a pretty optimistic person at the best of times, but putting my reality hat on, I just can't see that. And as I said to you guys before the pod started, the saying of the more things change, the more things stay the same, I think is very relevant in our, in our context. And who knows, perhaps the whole fairy tale or wish of wanting to have that long term shouldn't be in our thought pattern anymore. Maybe it should just be accepting of we are a ruthless business model. We demand instant success. So don't grow too attached to any manager, but focus on the club because the previous model has suggested that that ruthlessness does work. So try not to get too attached because you could get hurt. So I think I'll just leave it at that. So I want to also talk about the fact that um, reports are coming out that the signings, many of the signings were not Lampard's targets. Yes. I just I just want to say I don't buy it. Uh, and I'll say why I don't mm. buy it. Many of the players, when they arrived, mentioned Lampard speaking to them personally and all of that. And, you know, there was the Rudiger playing agent and speaking to Harvard and, and Timo Werner and all of that. And the fans that are using that stick to beat the board now, many of, many of, many of us were crying out for Kai Harvard. And when we're crying out for Kai Harvard, nobody stopped to say, is Kai Havert a player that Lampard wants? We all just wanted Kai Havert. Now we have Kai Havert. It doesn't seem to be working as quickly as many would have liked. And now that the, 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 the manager seems to have gotten the axe based on that, reports are coming out that he didn't want him. Uh, there's another report that says um, Lampard wanted Simovena. So, man, I, I just think those those are excuses being used to try to cover or try to protect Lampard or try to make excuses for Lampard because I have seen a lot of a lot of excuses being made for Lampard and not for me anyway. I've not seen enough people willing to acknowledge that Chelsea was in a bad place and Lampard was at the helm of that and you know the board were in a difficult position. All of them just seem to be talking about how the board have pulled the plug on the project and the results were bad. Lampard wasn't blameless in this. He wasn't doing impeccably. We're losing to teams we shouldn't be losing to. We're getting outperformed by teams we shouldn't have been. It, to come out now and say those weren't his signings anyway, it's just, for me, it's just, why now? Why aren't we bothered about if, if, if I, I think you'd have to before? say... I think you'd have to probably agree that like Kai Havertz doesn't seem like he was a Lampard signing, and he seems like I a agree, board signing. I agree with that. I agree yeah, with that. What I'm saying. What I'm he saying just is fans fit. didn't mind that. At the beginning of the season, fans didn't mind the fact that it probably wasn't planned. We're all excited that the board are willing to spend money on, on top talent. And now it seems to be a stick being used to beat the board that it wasn't his signing. Were we happy about the Kai Havertz signing or not? Because we're happy before and now it is... Well, he wasn't signing anyway. He didn't want him. I mean, I, don't know if... I mean, I'm still happy with Kai Havertz signing exactly. a lot there, exactly. but I do have concerns how Kai Havertz will be used in a Thomas Tuchel setup. And that's a topic for another, another you know, episode or whatever. But I do have, uh, I do have find concerns. A way to use him. You'll find a way to use him. I hope so. I, I, I'm just saying the, the, we shouldn't praise the board for something now, and then when there's trouble, we turn around and say, "Oh, the board." 
is responsible for this and the board caused this. I, I mean, I think it just doesn't do any good really to sit around and try to do a witch hunt about who's to blame and who's not. Exactly. I think I think that we all need as fans to really realize is look like this is probably one of the most emotional firings of a manager we're going to go through as fans, yeah, uh, especially right. ones that are probably twenty five or older. This is one of the, like the most emotional firings we're going to probably go through. Um, I don't know if it'll ever be topped. I, I would say probably not. Um, and I, I think that that's it, it's just difficult for all of us to go through that. Um, but it's important to realize that whether it's player or board manager, this, that the longer that we sit here and try to point the arrow at who to gets the blame and which hunt this player and which hunt that player. My only question is what productive end does that create for the fan base and for the club? What, what productive positive result are we going to get by going on a witch hunt? And, and I, yeah. I, I just don't see any, I just think it creates more division. It creates more of the cycles that we see in this fan base. That is, you know, the manager I supported got fired. So now I'm going to be retributed to the next manager. And I'm referring to like the sorry, you know, people. Um, and, 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 yeah. and that, that the cycle needs to stop. And so we don't need to see Lampard, you know, at, you know, diehard Lampard people be, you know, retributive towards Tuchel because this is just going to further this cultural issue we have in the club at this yeah, point. Yeah, that's, that's true. We don't need that. That's a good we point, Travis. That's a good point. Uh, yeah. I like to say just on that because our name suggests we're balanced thinkers by, by virtue of the name of our pod. But the challenge for us guys here is we're pretty reasonable thinkers at the best of times, but we're dealing with an emotional sport and we're dealing oh, yeah. with a very emotional set of circumstances. So our mindset of trying to ask the question, how is pointing fingers going to be productive in terms of resolving any issues, that mindset won't apply to people who are not as balanced, let's put it. So I just think I'm fully on board with that. It is an emotional sport. It does get people riled up, especially given who's at the helm or who was at the helm. So I'm fully with the group here. We should be thinking club first. That's not to say let's put Lampard by the wayside because he's always going to be a part of our history. Yeah. At the same time, time heals all wounds. And I think it that it just, the, the degree of time will be different based on the individual person. It would just be good for people to harness their energy, not from being upset and negative, but to not turn it into hate and distrust it to someone like Tuchel who's just come in, in to do a job. So let's try to get behind him. So I think I just wanted to add that in there because we're all pretty level-headed thinkers, but unfortunately we're dealing with a very irrational situation with some people. So, it, yeah, I just it, wanted to make that point. And that's a great well, point, RJ, well, because what it makes me see is that, you know, part of my question is asking a logical, balanced, you know, rational approach. What productive end does this have? But what I'm probably ignoring with that is, yeah, you, what you pointed out is there's a lot of emotion involved with that. And, and then simply, you know, whatever it may be, criticizing, critiquing, critiquing pointing, blame, witch hunting, this could all just be simply a coping mechanism to handle with that emotion that's so raw and intense for many people. Um, that might just be a coping mechanism. Um, so, oh, I don't know if you were trying to get in on something there. I thought I heard you. Oh, no, no, I was, I was trying to acknowledge that RG made a, a, a very good point. And it was well said because 
we we Tutel knows that Lampard will be loved by everybody. He's doing his job. He just he just wants to do his job and yeah. he wants to do it as well as possible. And it would be unfair for us to start hating him now because we feel the board uh, it's, it's the board made a bad decision. Whether they made a bad decision or not, they're not going to turn around tomorrow and say Frank Lampard has been rehired. He has been sacked now and even if he comes back to Chelsea, it's not going to be anytime soon. So we, we should just get behind whoever is there now and let's see what he has to, to offer. We all have our opinions on who should start and what the things should be and what the tactics should be and who he wants to manage. But all that is neither here nor there because now we have to tell in charge and we we, we support the club. We're all, we're all Chelsea fans. Before Frank Lampard, there were people who were supporting the club before Frank Lampard signed for Chelsea. You know, there were some people who were supporting the club before Mourinho became manager. And they came, to, they are supporting Chelsea because of Chelsea. Players who come and Go players will remain part of our history. Lampard is never is Lampard's status in Chelsea's eyes would never go down one bit, not not even a little bit. So it 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 doesn't matter now. It, all, all all that matters is we get behind the manager and support the club that we came here to support. Yeah, and our, our OI really echo that sentiment as well. I think that. It is time to, if we want to maybe see a, a, a productive or, you know, positive end of this season, everything that we can do as a fan base, regardless if it's incredibly minor or incredibly major, we need to get behind and try to unify and support everybody and kind of, uh, you know, rally around the uh, the blue flag, so to speak, metaphorically. Um, and I think this is a really good spot to end uh, this episode. But before we end, I just want to give a quick thank you. Um, so first, I just want to say thanks to you know all three of you for joining in. But I just have a little bit of a message, um, which is you know I want to per- like personally thank Frank Lampard for everything that he did as well. Um, I looked up to him a lot as a player and as a, you know growing up, and um, you know he had a, a career that was defined by beating the odds, and that is what stuck with me so much and not just on a playing field, but probably in classrooms and everything else I've gone on to do um, in life. And, it, and, you know, it's the right kind of character and mentality to have. And I, I want to just say thanks for everything you did. You came in at a time when nobody else may have, have uh, come in and taken the circumstances of the job that you had, you integrated youth. Um, and really, I think last year was one of the most fun times I've had from an emotional standpoint um, from any season involved with Chelsea football club since I've been a fan that did not result in actually winning any silverware. Um, and I can say that with confidence. And although this season didn't go well, there were a lot of good times that 17 game unbeaten run, man, that was a lot of fun. Um, but it, it did just go unfortunately wrong. And it seems like things just weren't well behind the scenes. And, you know, that's absolutely nothing against Frank Lampard because, uh, you know, better, much more experienced, title proven managers have come into Stanford bridge and tried to fight the powers that be. And it ends the same way. So there's no, uh, there's no reason to look back and regret or sadness for Frank Lampard with what he did. And I personally, this is a little more my spin on it. I think the last thing that Frank would probably want all of us fans to do is to, you know, kind of have a civil war over this and, you know, argue and fight instead of just backing and supporting the club. Um, regardless of who's playing and who's managing. And I, you know, that's a little bit of my own perspective on it. And I don't think, no, if you'd agree or not, but I feel like that's 
probably more of what his character would embody is, you know, as fans, it's, you know, it's time, time is done, time will heal the wounds, but you got to start moving on and, and trying to back the club the same as you would, you know, before or after his management. So with that, I want to say thanks to uh, any listeners out there as well. And until next time, keep the blue flag flying high.